to Sunday Morning, a weekly podcast presented by Church Without Walls of Greer. Jesus, we thank you and praise you and bless you. We lift up your holy name. You're worthy of all praise and glory and honor. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this day that we celebrate, Lord. Um, day of ultimate sacrifice. The you know we celebrate the sacrifice and then the the arising, um, Lord Jesus. We praise you and bless you. Amen. Amen. Arising, raising, right? Whatever it is. <laughs> Bad word choices. Not working today. <laughs> Today's Easter, twenty twenty one. At Easter of 2020, things had just started, you know, people were starting to, you know, scream about this and that, the virus and whatnot. <clears throat> now it's, people are just kind of like, if I hear one more thing about that virus, <laughs> it's not quite to that point yet, but it's getting there. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about that. That's not the point of today. Today is Easter. Today is the day that the Lord is risen. And, you know, we talked about the triumphal entry. And the whole point of the triumphal entry was because he was coming in so he could sacrifice himself. You know, Good Friday is the entire passion of the Christ takes place. And I know it's kind of traditional to read through that, but that's not really what I want to talk about today. I'll put it this way. Jesus was crucified. He went through heartbreak. He went through uh, being turned against. He went through uh, feeling like he'd been uh, left alone in the universe, even by God. He went through all of that, yet he still never took the easy out that he could have. All he had to do was say, no, I'm not doing this. And there'd have been, you know, an army of angels that would have shown up, wiped out all of mankind, and it'd been back to ground zero and start all over again. He didn't have to do that. But Jesus had grown up as one of us. He knew us. He knew people. He knew how people are and how difficult it is. And so he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to end this once and for all. I'm going to make this happen. He's going to bark. It's all right. Um, And so he gave himself to be crucified and he went it's a beautiful not only is it a story but it's a beautiful story and it's a beautiful whole message and so we just need to uh... (laughs) that's all right somebody's here so the dog's telling us about it it's not a problem it's the joys of having church at home right you know the dog's part of church too so he gets to speak up and, you know, say, get in here. Get to church. It's time for church. So, the, uh, so, 
Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, Jesus gave himself, you know, and it is a beautiful story, and you should read it. And, you know, there's slight variations across the gospel, but they all cover the main points. And they all cover, you know, some of them have a little bit more detail than others because of who is actually there, who told the story. And, and that's all right. But it's kind of cool. So that's the, you know, cool. Then they took and they buried Jesus. And they buried him in a borrowed tomb, which, again, had something to do with prophecy. You know, everything Jesus did during these last, those last days was to fulfill prophecy. Um. But the uh, you know they borrowed they they buried him in a borrowed tomb, a buried him buried in a borrowed burrow. <laughs> Say that three times real fast. Um, and it was. How does that work? How do you borrow a tomb? <laughs> the property belongs well. It, at that point in time, it wasn't that unusual to remove bones at a later date. Mm. So if somebody died and they'd be buried there because it was already a prepared tomb, then when the person who owned it died, they would move their that body to somewhere else. I don't know. But it seems kind of weird that they would do that with in Judaism because of all the laws about touching the dead right. and this, that, and the other. But well, that kind of tells the you dead how much they, Well, no, because his disciples are the ones that buried him. Well, yeah, but I mean, the the guy asked Caesar, you know, hey, can I bury him? Can we take his body down and bury him so it's not up during the, you know, during the feast? And because the chief priest wanted him off the cross during, and so that's why they buried him instead of just leaving him on the cross for a few days, which mm-hmm. would have been bad. Gnarly. Um. So, at any rate, they buried him. And then on the third day, and that's, this is the third day. Sunday is the third day. And uh, on the third day, while it was yet dark, there were women who came. And they were coming to... When they buried Jesus' body, when they, they put him in the tomb, all they had time to do was the basic preparation. You know, they didn't have, like, embalming and all that kind of stuff back then, but they would, there was rituals and processes they would go through. They would wash the body, and they would use um, myrrh and frankincense and, you know, all of these things to to cover up the scent of, you know, death and all that and, and wrap the body, but... They were coming back to actually do the job right. Mm-hmm. You know, which says a lot because, you know, with poor people or most criminals, they're just like, eh, throw them in a hole. You know, if the people can afford to do something, you know, nicer, that's nice. But most of the time it wasn't. 
that big of a deal. But they were, you know, they wanted to do it right. So they, they prepared his body the best they could. They were coming back after the Sabbath to do the job right. You know, they were coming back. And then, you know, this whole part of the story is where it gets really cool. I mean, it's all really cool, but it gets pretty wild. So whether it's Mary by herself, I mean, she, the way the stories kind of go together, there was Mary and Martha and Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, Martha, and the other Mary, not the mother of Jesus. And they were coming to, to do the thing and they got to the garden and now because the chief priest was um we'll put it, he, he was a politician so he didn't trust anybody cuz i'll just let that speak for itself um <laughs> So he'd had guards. He'd he'd ask uh, uh, Pilate to put guards at the tomb, and Pilate said, "You want it guarded? You got temple guards. Let them do it. I'm not paying my men to do that." So he had the temple guards at the tomb. Over, so basically, he was making them work in violation of the Sabbath, and he that he was supposedly one of the things he was upset about Jesus with Jesus about was because he had violated the Sabbath at other times. So <coughs> lots of, you know, back finger pointing there. <laughs> so he was making these poor guards work over the Sabbath. They stayed there and you know, early in the morning something happened. Now, this is pure supposition. Pure supposition. But, I'm guessing that the kind of power involved to raise and restore from the dead was a little bit on the scale of a small thermonuclear device. <laughs> underground so it caused an earthquake caused a bright light and all of a sudden the ground shook the guards fell down they looked up there's this tomb entry that's covered up with a rock and sealed glowing and they see this person walking through the rock because at that point Jesus didn't care about physical laws anymore. And he didn't roll the stone back. Because there's another place that talks about that later. And uh, so he walks through the rock. Well, if you were one of those guards, what would you do? <laughs> exactly what they did. They booked it. <laughs> they went to the chief priest and said... There's some weird stuff going on, man. He said, shut up. Don't tell anybody. Here's your pay. I don't want to hear anything about it. I wonder if you paid him 31 pieces of silver. That would have been interesting. Just tie back to what he paid Judas. Anyway. Um, but he 
told them, hey, he actually threatened them. He said, you know, you tell anybody about this and it's, that's it for you. So, these women are coming. Jesus has already raised. They get to their, there's no guards and they're like, who are we going to get to roll back the stone? And all of a sudden, the stones, in one story, the stones just rolled aside because there was an earthquake. In the other story, they see two angels rolling back the stone. Either way. <laughs> and then, they're like, and they're like, who, do you, who are you looking for? The one you seek isn't here anymore. And they're like, but, 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 what are we going to do? I don't know, blame them. They're, they were a little freaked out. They loved Jesus. And they were like, I don't know what to do. So two of them left, but Mary Magdalene stayed. And she was just a loss. She had been forgiven of. She'd been in a dark, dark place in life. You know, Jesus had, had basically told her, listen. You're forgiven. Go and sin no more. Doesn't say that she never sinned again, but it says that she accepted that forgiveness and she did her best to follow him and to, you know, to do whatever he said. So she was there, and all of a sudden this gardener said, Sir, sir, do you know where they've hidden my Lord? Where they've moved my Lord? He's like, This part makes me cry. Because he just turned to her and he said, Mary. And when he said her name, she knew. She knew his voice. And she knew she could hear the love. And she could hear that forgiveness. And she wasn't, all of a sudden, all of her angst and anxiety and fear and upset was just washed away. <laughs> so then she tried to hug him. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Haven't ascended, no, no touching. <laughs> so she was like, but, but, what do I do? Go and tell my disciples. So she flies off, because the other two women already ran back to say, his body's not there. We don't know where he is. And then Mary shows up and said, he's arisen. He's alive. Well, and the disciples are like, what? And, and Peter and John are like, well, Peter's like, I got to see this for myself. And so he takes off running, and he's an old man. And John, who's young at the time, takes off running and passes him. <laughs> he laps him on the way to the garden. Because Peter was in his late 30s, maybe early 40s at that point. It's pretty old. John was in his early 20s at the latest. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs> He was like, see ya. <laughs> but it was interesting, and this talks about the fact in, in the book of John, John stopped and looked into the tomb. He wasn't going to step, he loved Jesus, you know, but Peter just went in. He's like, where is he? He's like, I'm not staying outside. I'm coming in where I can actually see. And they found the grave clothes and the, the napkin or the, the cloth that had been over his you know, face was all, was folded, and it's like, okay, this is weird, what do we do? And then, you know, 
Jesus appeared in the midst of them, etc. Later on, there's, there's more to that story. But the thing is that I really want to get across today is we too can experience that same feeling that Mary had. When we're stuck, when we're in a situation of, that's hard, when we're you know, overcome by ang- angst and anxiety and, and, or anger or any emotions for that matter, depressions, whatever. If we say, Lord, where are you? He'll say our name. He'll speak to you. And when you hear his voice, all of that will be blown away. Now, the thing that really is mind-blowing, it's gentle and tender, but it's with the same power that came from when he resurrected from the dead. So there's nothing that can hold on and block you from that love. All you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I accept the gift you gave me. Now, I know I've heard in life that people are like, well, I can never be a Christian because I X, Y, Z. I can't be a Christian until I stop X, Y, Z. I call BS. Jesus didn't say, you have to be perfect before you come to me. He said, come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden. What are you weak from? What are you heavy laden from? You're weak and heavy laden from stuff in life. Whether stuff you do or stuff other people do. You don't have to be perfect to become a Christian. Now, will you change after you become a Christian? Probably. There will be things that all of a sudden you'll just be like, huh, I haven't done that for a while. Eh, don't want to either, okay. And, the, and there may be things you struggle about. I can remember there's been things where I was like, God, this situation in my life, you've got to help me with it. You've got to take it out of me. You've got to, God is so, uh, uh, uh. And I finally at one point in time realized that's like when you're a little kid and you've got a splinter in your finger and it hurts. It's irritating. It's really bad. And you're like, Dad, I need this splinter taken out. And he's like, yeah, I know you do. We'll, we'll get to it in a minute. And in the meantime, God's back there like doing kidney surgery on you. Because, you know, you got stabbed in the kidney by something. And he's fixing that while you're focusing on that splinter. You don't know about what's going on behind you. You just know, I've got this splinter that needs taken care of now. God, why aren't you dealing with this splinter? Because he's dealing with something more important that needs to be taken care of. So when we have those things, sometimes it's, it's good for us to focus on that and say, God, I don't want to do this, but not to the point of despair. Bless you. Not to the point of angst or anxiety over it, you know, whatever it may be. You know, you can be aware of it and say, God, I've got this thing in my life that I really want out, and I'd, I'd like for you to help me with it. But give it to him. You know, I understand when you have a splinter, it hurts. 
What's even, you know, even worse than a big splinter that you can see is one of those itty-bitty little things that goes in there you can't even see and you just brush against it the wrong way. And it's like, ow, ow. <laughs> I've had that happen before. I think one of the worst ones I ever had that from was a whisker. I got in my foot. Mm. It went hard. in like a splinter. It's like. It's worse than that is a metal shaving. Metal shaving would be bad too. So, but you know, they're so little you can't even see them, but they're there. And so you have to say, God, help me with that. And sometimes we're, God lets it be a distraction for us while he's doing something more important. So don't lose faith in that. But the point is, we don't have to change. God will change us. We don't have to be perfect to become Christians. We're probably not going to be perfect while we're Christians. We just have to be willing to give ourselves into God's hands and let him make us who he wants us to be. See, the thing is, you can't be exactly like me. You can't be exactly like me. You can't be exactly like me. And you shouldn't be. As a Christian, as a person, God made us individually. He made us to be the people that he wants us to be. And if we try to force someone into a box and say, no, that part of your personality, no, 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 that doesn't fit. Get rid of that. Oh, no, that doesn't fit. Get rid of it. It just doesn't work. And doing the same thing spiritually, it doesn't work. Everybody's not going to be cookie cutters and shouldn't be cookie cutters. That's the thing. If you if you're if you ever hear somebody say, "Well, all Christians should be," the only thing all Christians should do is love Jesus. That I can think of. Now, there may be something else that they should do. I don't know. Not judge people. Well, I mean, love and obey Jesus. How's that? Because Jesus said not to judge. So. <laughs> Those are. I mean. That's the primary thing right there. It doesn't say Christians will never X, Y, Z. Or Christians should always X, Y, Z. Because some people don't like X and some people don't like Z. (laughs) And yes, I'm being very vague because it doesn't matter. (laughs) Or some people do like X and some people do like whatever. But... Think about that. You can feel that resurrection power every time you're in a hard place. Every time you're in an angsty situation. Every time your anxiety triggers. And believe me, in today's, you know, in this day and age, anxiety is a huge thing. I mean, there are corporations making billions of dollars off of other people's anxiety. And there are people that just love to stir up other people's anxiety for whatever reason. <laughs> I guess it makes their anxiety seem smaller, so I don't know. Whatever. But in this day and age, you can feel that. And, and I promise you, if God speaks to you, if Jesus says your name, and you feel that peace and that resurrection power... 
blows away your anxiety and your angst and all of the struggles and problems, all the people around you are going to feel it or they're going to notice it. They're going to sense it. They're going to be like, what happened to you? How, what, how can I do that? And then you can say, all you got to do is love Jesus. And they say, well, I can't be a Christian because, said, hogwash. Say, all you got to do is accept the gift that he freely gave you. That he's already given. All you have to do is accept it. And, and, and then go from there. That's the thought. That's the thinking. Anybody else have anything to add? All right. Well, Jesus, we praise you and bless you. Thank you that you rose from the dead. Thank you that you you rose so we could have eternal life, so that we could have that resurrection power in our lives, so that we could experience your majesty and wonder and grace and all of those things in our lives on a daily basis. Lord, we thank you and praise you for that. Thank you for all that you're going to do. We accept your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Morning Podcast from Church Without Walls of Greer, South Carolina. If you have any questions or you need more information, please feel free to reach out to jonathan.wagner at intheupstate.net. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so on whatever channel you found this podcast. And reach out to me or anyone if you have questions about Christianity.